Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I Talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Hi, welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica, and I'm your host. Tonight is January 10th, 2012. I think it's the first show of the year. We're back. I was sick, and uh, I took a little break from the holiday time. I want to welcome everybody in the chat room. And we are going to bring on uh, Jack Trimpey. He's not in the queue yet, but um, I just spoke to him, so he should be calling in any minute. Um, very interesting show I hope to have. He said he would really like to have people calling in, asking questions. His most recent book is The Art of Avert, Addictive Voice Recognition Technique um, by Jack Trimpey, founder of Rational Recovery. And um, I bought the six-pack of this book and gave it out to people and um, read some of it. I haven't read it from cover to cover but I did read a lot on his website, and there is just some background I want to give while we wait for Jack to call in, um, is that uh, Lois and he, his wife uh, started uh, the Irrational Recovery back in 1985, and uh, it grew to be very, very large, and I guess it was hooked up with um, the addiction treatment industry, it says here, and it grew, and there was lots and lots, hundreds and hundreds of meetings um, around the country. And what uh, Jack says here, that um, after a while he felt like it was just another type of, uh, you know, sort of recovery groups that were similar to um, other ones, and he felt like that kept people away from being with their family and such. So um, he is still not called in um the call in number is 818-475-9211 818-475-9211 so if we have any callers in queue who want to call in jack is still not called in to have any questions or have any comments so most of the listeners out there know that i started this radio show last March. I can't believe it. Wow, we're coming up in a couple months on a year. It started with Gunther 2000 uh, from Stinkin' Thinkin' at that time. We all met on that blog who started his own radio show. He had me on and then 
you know, it evolved that I started the show. But I was very unfamiliar with these uh, other ways, these other ways of looking at stopping. Uh, I had become very, very disenchanted with Alcoholics Anonymous um, when I was trying to address the safety issue of predators and 13-stepping. And, of course, that escalated to lots worse that we found going on in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous meetings. So, Jack, if you're out there, call in at 818-475-9211. Hi, Gunther. Hi, Johnny Quest. Hi, Sue. I see you out there. Um, Let's see. Uh, I want to know if he considers the art of avert a replacement for RR, the new cure, and if not, if he still intends to update TNC someday. Okay, here he is. Let's bring him on. Hi, Jack. Is this you? Hello? Yes. Could you hear oh, me? Oh, hi. Yes. Okay, so I hear you. How you doing? How does my, how does my voice sound? Sounds really good. Okay. How does good. mine sound? <laughs> okay. Okay. So we have people in the queue, and um, I'm happy to have you. Thank you for joining me tonight. Um, I uh, think you were one of my maybe the first month that I had shows in March uh, last year. So it's really nice to have you back. Um, Good. I'm, I'm glad to be with you again today. Yeah. So uh, I was reading, I read to the people as I was waiting for you to come on, just a little bit of background, uh, which now I understand more. And um, I want to start, I, I told people to call in, and we already have a question from uh, somebody in the chat room, so let's just start, jump right in. Um, Johnny Quest says, I want to know if he considers the art of avert a replacement for RR, the new cure, and if not, if he still intends to update TNC someday. Oh, uh, right. There are always new uh, forthcoming uh, developments and books on uh, on rational recovery. So uh, there is more to come, and I hope that uh, everybody has a good selection of readings for you know, for the present to, uh, to dig their, their teeth into it and, and uh, move beyond addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, is there anything like really pressing or really that you're, you know, really working on that you'd like to talk about and tell the audience? Because that's a lot of people that are really interesting. Uh, why don't we get some questions on addiction recovery and uh, some information on ADRT? If anybody has an addiction in the audience uh, who would like to work on that addiction right now. That might be the most constructive use of our time. Okay. So did you hear that? We have there's callers and uh there's people in the chat. Uh if you want to call in anyone having an issue with any kind of addiction, correct? Eight one eight any any addiction. For the most part it's uh substance addictions, although uh certain behavioral errors can be uh included if that's what people want to do. Right, so it's uh, alcohol, drugs, uh, food, cigarettes, that kind of thing. 818-475-9211. We have Jack Trimpey on the phone here with Monica. And anybody have a question on how you could, um, you want to handle any kind of addiction problem that you might be having? And we have 
818-475-9211. Nobody calling in, but uh, I I want to comment until somebody asks another question that uh, one of the things that I see here that I find still a problem, I mean, you know my story that I was in AA a long time, that I left last May, right, and went on this journey of finding out that all you folks were out there. I mean, I actually found that out a year before, but I really find it shocking that I didn't know. And um, so part of my uh, reason for having this show is really to educate people there are choices besides AA or any meetings. But not only that, that what, what I find really disturbing, Jack, is the consciousness, even at the all what I call alternatives, which I really want to stop calling that because they're not alternatives to AA. It's just that AA has so infiltrated our culture and the society that now what I find is that, this is my experience and what I'm seeing, is that the addiction recovery industry and business has gotten so entrenched with how AA sees things that now the industry is sort of even infiltrating, whether it be a smart meeting or just the way people talk about um, that, you know, you have to go somewhere to get help. Like that you can't just... uh, I've given a name to that mentality. This mentality uh, that that you're referring to, uh, I've called it recoveryism. And it's the idea... Mm -hmm. That uh, recovery is a long, uh, onerous process, mm-hmm. and that uh, everybody is recovering from something in their lives and trying to overcome some past problem, uh, maybe relating to their uh, their family origins or their childhood and so forth, or their genetic uh, makeup and so forth. And life is a process of recovering from. All, all these inbred problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's more to life than that. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, life can be sweet and live rather freely if we can free ourselves from uh, the ideas that our original family values are somehow insufficient or defective. Right. I, I like to talk about universal family values. There are certain values that are necessary for the survival of the family all around the world. They have to do with loyalty and honesty and decency and kindness and love. These are human values that are are not uh, found in the animal uh, kingdom. Mm -hmm. They're human. So Mm -hmm. uh, this whole idea that we have to, to live a therapeutic life and constantly gain, trying to gain favor with unseen forces in order to, to have a good life, uh, this, this whole drama, or I call it kind of a melodrama, uh, really robs people of the spontaneous happiness that, that can come from being a human being. Right, right. Okay, we have uh, two... Yeah, I'm in total agreement with you, um, and I've come a long way from where I was a year ago, but... Okay, we have a really good question. So um, Gunther asks, give us a rundown of what AVERT is and how it works so that people know what you were talking about. AVRT is uh, the law of self-recovery or independent recovery, and it's in a brief educational format. Very briefly, 
what it follows the pattern of success among those people who uh, actually do recover on their own. And that's a far, far greater number of people than who uh, even join recovery groups. Most people who get addicted uh, begin to suffer the uh, the consequences of it, and they knock it off. They suck mm-hmm. it up. They knock it off, and they don't quit uh, one day at a time. They quit for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And they, they do it based on the insight that any perceived you know, pleasure this way that puts other people at risk, that's what is meant by immoral, that it's wrong to do that. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What happens in our culture is that we've acquired this whole disease concept of immorality or the disease concept of stupidity, yeah. and uh, people then uh, expect that the world should tolerate continued mm-hmm. habitual immorality and stupidity and uh, tolerate their indecision, this one day at a time indecision, and uh, you know, that they're, with the idea that their uh, substance abuse, if that's what it is, uh, but the idea that it's innocent, that my my misconduct here is innocent because it's a symptom of the hidden causes in my original family or in my genetic makeup or something. Um, it's kind of like a biological uh, determinism. It makes mm-hmm. my stupidity uh, and immorality innocent. So this whole idea of alcoholism, it's uh, drunkenness with a doctor's excuse attached to it. I have a disease and my doctor, I don't know, because he's a doctor and he's an alcoholic too. You know, all this, uh, uh, medi- the medical uh, model has created a kind of a monstrosity in our uh, culture. Right, right. It stops people from taking personal responsibility and uh, quitting the addiction that is threatening their own well-being and their families as well. Yeah, I think I heard Ron Paul say uh, the other day in one of his little talks uh, that, you know, well, that's a disease, you know, alcoholism is a a disease, so they should be treated differently. And and I thought, wow, this is a really deep... Problem. We really ha- have a lot of people snowed, and I was wondering before I get to my next question, are you do do you do any kind of we call it activism, but any kind of promotion or education to change the way that doctors think and psychiatrists and um, who else would you know find themselves in front of an alcoholic or I mean somebody I don't even like using the word anymore, Jack. It's like someone who's alcohol dependent and. Are you doing anything a little extra so we can educate people? In the last couple of years, I've been going to uh, courts, county courts, Mm -hmm. around California. And there's about a half a dozen counties now where I go out and we have the Rational Recovery Monitor Program for people, for example, impaired professionals or DUI people Mm -hmm. who are being forced into AA in order to have their license to either drive a car to be a pilot in an airplane or to have a medical license or something like that. Right. And we're trying to uh, help the courts to uh, see that independent recovery is all that there is in the public interest. The public has a real interest in airline pilots 
uh, not drinking alcohol, abstaining from alcohol if they've had a problem with substance abuse in the past. But the public has no interest in how they become abstinent. It's a matter of personal choice, and drug testing is as far as any diligent agency uh, or court uh, should go in affirming that people are abstinent. They have the uh, commitment to remaining abstinent, mm-hmm. and the drug testing then would uh, show that they are abstinent. But unfortunately, the regulations, as high up you go, then our government seems to call over and over again for some kind of expensive addiction treatment or intervention that uh, corrals people or funnels people uh, who are in, in licensed positions into the uh, the fellowship of addicted people, which is uh, AA. So yeah. uh, those are things we're very actively doing. I was in court last week, and it was just a, a, a shocking thing. Uh, I was on the witness stand for a full hour being cross-examined by a judge and uh, his uh, district attorney who turned out to be a member of AA. Wow. And they were uh, trying to grill me on how I could know if people were using it or not. And I kept saying, this is the county's uh, responsibility to to do the drug testing. Uh, we can provide people the encouragement and information they need to uh, to go ahead and quit the addiction and mm-hmm. rejoin the human family and Right. We advise them always to stay away from low life and other people in recovery mm-hmm. groups who do not quit their addictions. Right. And uh, the court was just uh, very, uh, it was like they have a learning disability when it comes to common sense. So it's a, a long haul. Uh, I think that a lot more can be done uh, pulling together citizens in local communities, uh, little ad hoc committees I'd like to see happen. Right. Committees that would go to, to, to City Hall, go to the Board of Supervisors, yes. identify the alternatives, and challenge the legality of forcing people to attend recovery groups, which have such a, a horribly uh, uh, inadequate abstinent outcome. Their abstinent outcome is about zero. Wow. I, I want to, you know what, after we talk, um, maybe tomorrow. I'll call you and we can discuss. I'd be like, to, I'd really like to do that. And there are other people on the blog, especially on the Orange Papers forum. Now, um, there's some people that are very, very upset, uh, highly educated with whether they're CPAs or lawyers that were sentenced. Yeah. And it's gotten worse and worse, Jack. But they're very, they're activists and they want to know what we can do to sort of push back and say, you know. And I, I also think that. You know, and tell me what you think. But I feel very strongly now about that. There's many people who get that first DUI that don't have a problem. And I think that whether you know Kenneth Anderson's harm reduction, that people that abstinence is not necessary for everybody when they get their first DUI. You know, I mean, people need to be taught if they're young, like I was. It's not like oh, you have a problem and you can't drink for the rest of your life. That's not true for everybody. And so why is it this black and whites or a puritanical, you know, prohibition thinking that, you know, all or nothing? It, it, to me, I understand that if someone clearly has a severe drinking problem and has tried to stop and can't, but, you know, someone at their first DUI, or, you know, it's just well, like... The problem, the problem is that the decision to drive under the influence 
is always made under the influence. And when you drink, uh, that disables moral judgment and allows uh, immoral conduct or stupid, uh, dangerous conduct that people would not normally commit. So right. I think that abstinence is a very, a very good and appropriate decision for a person to make uh, once they have uh, encountered the law uh-huh. driving a 3,000-pound vehicle down the highway uh, under the influence. That's, that's a very serious crime. Uh-huh. And to be that stupid with that much public information really does indicate that now would be a good time for me to grow up and hang it up and suck it up and knock it off, not just one day at a time and not with any harm reduction. But let's talk about eliminating the harm to other people, not get all uh, focused on my own desire for uh, you know, social drinking or recreational drinking. Uh-huh, so it needs uh-huh. to be in there very strongly. Uh, we are the abstinence people in rational recovery. Right, right. AA, AA is technically a, a moderation program because of sobriety and relapses, which means yummy relapses, drinking, the right. normal part of their recovery. So that is yeah. not the true abstinence program. They don't talk about lifetime abstinence. They talk about one day at a time. Sobriety, which is an open door to reserve the option to have relapses anytime they really feel like it. Right. Well, I guess what I'm 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 addressing might be more a teenage use where no one has been driving a car yet, but everybody goes through. Oh, we have to send my kid into rehab. Um, when with the littlest, you know, beginning of trouble. When when if you read your book, and um, you know, there's other books that I read where you can give people choices and say it's this or the family. You know, when I talked to Lois, your wife, which was very, very helpful. Um, but you know what? I have another question. Let's go because we want to, we want to help people, and you have some answers that yeah, I don't have. So let's go to the next who, one. Anybody who wants to work on their addiction. Yes, there's somebody here. Yeah, Sue says, I'm addicted to cigarettes again, quit for 12 years, okay. and picked the habit up again three years ago. I smoked much less okay. but still addicted. I'm amazed that I quit for 12 years. How can you help her? Okay, uh, she's not on the line, however, is she? No, she isn't. Sue, you want to call in, 818-475-9211? It's nice, it's nice to get a dialogue. So I know, they're in the chat feel. room. <laughs> the feel <laughs> of rational recovery is unique. It's a very special dialogue uh, that we can set Sue, up. can you call I in? Would, I would like to, uh, if she were on the line, I would say, well, listen now. Uh, what is your plan? Are you going to continue to smoke cigarettes or are you not? And then she would struggle with that. Uh, it's a very uncomfortable uh, spot to be put in. But we help her then to realize that that discomfort, when I ask that question, is really not her discomfort, but it's her body's discomfort, and that her body is really incredibly stupid thinking that cigarette smoke is somehow superior to oxygen in helping the body to survive. Uh-huh. And uh, when, when we help people to uh, what we call the I-it split, I have a body, but that is not what I am. I have a foot and I have a leg and I have a brain, but I'm none of the above. I am a uh, human being, and I don't see... Oh, she called in. There she is. Uh, oh, good. Hey, Sue. Okay. Yeah, I'm on the line. Okay, oh, Sue, she's Thank on the line. Go ahead, you. Jack. Hi. Okay. Did you hear what I was just saying? 
uh, I heard stupid. <laughs> yeah, okay. And uh, <laughs> I was trying to turn the rate the the speaker down and uh, yes, okay. So yeah, we're talking about uh, smoking as stupid behavior. How does that fit you? Well, sure it is. I I realize that. Um, okay. And I, are you going to are you going to continue to uh, smoke cigarettes uh, any any more after after now? Uh, probably so. Well, that's a that's a choice. So you have a plan to continue your uh, use of cigarettes, and you're free to do that. You're free to choose that. Uh, I think though that you also are, have mixed feelings. On one hand. You would like to not smoke at all. You'd like to to move on and not smoke. Oh yeah. But there's something. Yeah, and the, this other part is that you want to smoke anytime you want to, uh, forever. As I said so, later on the on the blog here, a comment. At one point, I when I quit smoking for 12 years, I quit drinking. I was a I was a jogger. I would jog 25 to 28 miles a week. Wow. Now, now I said on there, maybe that was another addiction. So how do you Um, feel about the idea of never smoking again? I I wish I... I No, how do you feel? I'm not asking what you wish. Listen, what feeling do you get when when I say never smoke again, what feeling do you get inside of your gut? Um... You know, I guess I relate smoking to stress. Okay, so you I, feel... That the more stressed I am... Listen, yeah, you have a... The idea of never smoking again, then, produces a stress feeling. Is that what you said? No, I... I when I'm stressed well, how out... Do you when I, how do you feel? When I say, uh, how, how do you feel about never smoking again... There's a number of feelings you might have. Well, how, how do you feel about never smoking? I guess if I, could, if I could take away the urge to do so, but I know I go for cigarettes when I'm stressed. That, what, about not, what, about not, what about not smoking when you have the urge? What about not smoking when I have the urge? Yeah, in other words, to welcome the urge into your life and say, oh, there you are. You, okay, I know what this is. I don't smoke however. But I do but I do, do that because I said later that I, I it's not that theory where I went back to smoking as much as I did before. I smoke a quarter of what I smoked when I smoked before I quit for twelve years. Because so I is your age to quit or cut back? Are you gonna cut back or quit? Well, I've only cut back. Okay. Are, are, you, are you trying to are you trying to um, tell me I should make a commitment to quit? Well, what do you think about that? How does that feel? The idea of saying I will never smoke again. How does that sound? Um, I I still have the urge to smoke. But you know, well, so have. what if you have the urge? So uh, what if the you urge have the urge? And I let think I'm physically. Let me ask you. Let me ask. Let me ask. So what if you have the urge? <laughs> I know. I, I did it before, and I smoked right really heavy. So, right. What would you think about not smoking 
when you have the urge? Uh, in a sense, I do do that. But I, I, the problem is I, I, I don't do it all the time. Right. I have, now, a, I have that, much better control over it. I know. But I what do you I think about before. deciding? Well, what would you think about deciding, well, I will do that all the time. I will never smoke again. I will never yield to that urge again. Um, well, I guess that's something I'm going to have to work on. Well, what about doing it now? Do you want to stop for do you want to stop completely, Sue? Do I want to stop? Yeah, do you want to stop? Yeah. What do you think about how would you feel about of course, quitting? I hate I hate the habit. You know, I hate it. But do how you want you to like stop quit? now? How would you like It's very to quit sad. Your it's very addiction? sad, but I enjoy smoking. You know, I really enjoy it. Right, that's <laughs> your body. Your body, now listen. You you are not your body. Mm-hmm. You have a body that very stupidly loves smoke in your lungs. And your job is to protect your stupid body from self-destruction. I hear you. So what I'm proposing is that you might make a decision here to be the boss of your body instead of allowing your body to run the show. You know, something you I've discovered about myself is I can I can be as strong as, at right. one but point. What you're, what you're I, I quit drinking now. and I left AA, okay? Yeah, right. <laughs> but this is all, what is coming down now, this is a lot of what we call AV. You're filling up the airwaves with a lot of uh, mishmash dribble that doesn't get to the core of the problem, which is that you have a plan to continue smoking. What I'm proposing is that you break from your body and say, look, my body has a desire to smoke and I am not my body and I am never going to permit my body to smoke again. Your body cannot smoke by itself. Mm -hmm. Your body cannot wiggle its own fingers or light up a cigarette. You have to light cigarettes for your body, you see, you really because do have a choice. You really, yeah. I mean, this so. is what I'm getting is that, you know, someone else was talking, I don't know where else, about that we have a, I have a choice that I can pick up a book and read it now. I can go in and eat, you know, cookies now, or I can, I can choose to eat an apple. But I really am choosing, like, even though there is physical addiction with nicotine, that what my understanding is from people who oh, are I not... Oh, I have it before. Wait, hold on. Let me, let me just finish my thought. Let me finish okay. my thought. Go ahead. That every ahead. craving, everyone has a, a... It has a certain amount of minutes. If you watch it, that it comes and it goes, you know, and, they're, and, they're, and each thing is maybe stronger than the other. Some is psychological and some are physical. Like me, that if I have to go eat a cookie, that is not a physical addiction. Okay, like I know that nicotine and all those chemicals in it is, but yet we still have a choice. But what I also learned from someone else is that it will pass every craving that we feel. But we are in control, but we are living in a society today where nobody wants to like talk about self-will, nobody wants to talk about self-discipline, or even, in, even strengthening that muscle that I can choose to walk away from anything, including you for a cigarette or me a cookie that I'm tired of eating. 
Does that make sense? Well, I can see. So, uh, yeah. Now, who, who, am I, who is talking now? Is this uh, Monica or the the woman with the cigarette addiction? No, that was me. I, I, just, wanted, I, I just wanted to okay. put that little input in there. Okay, well, uh, let me ask now. Are you interested in quitting your addiction this evening? I could I I could not uh, no honestly I could tell you I'm not interested in quitting this evening. Okay. I, How would you and like, I listen, truly listen, believe listen, that listen. every habit you have is a you. choice. Okay. Let me help you. Let, let me help you. Uh, I understand that this is getting uncomfortable, but how would you I like? I am to start? uncomfortable to be honest with you. <laughs> I know. I understand that very well. Hang in there, Sue. I understand. Well, I'm shy about calling in. How would you like? How would you like? Listen. How would you like to try on the commitment? You don't have to believe it, but just simply try it on, like you were shopping for gloves, and you tried it on to see if it fits. How would you like to try it? And you don't. It wouldn't be that you're committing to it. You just simply would say the words. I will never smoke again. You want to try that? Oh, you want me to say that to you? Well, no. Is that, is that you what you're just, saying? I'm asking. I'm asking you. Go, go ahead and uh, try the commitment on. See how it feels mm-hmm. for you to say, I will never smoke again. Yeah, that's a great idea. Cool. Mm-hmm. Try it. I feel funny saying that because. Well, this is your beast. I see, that, that, that sounds like I'm. Your beast is like getting very, very right at this moment. Yeah. Right, your beast is calling you a liar, and getting very impatient and angry with me for pushing it around. What I'm proposing is that you take up the cause and start muscling your own beast around, instead mm-hmm. of asking me to or, or having me do it. Or just simply go with it and say, look, I love to smoke. Goodbye. That's the yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? I, may I ask a question here? Sure. Just so ask it. Do you, sure. think, yeah. do you think that I, I, although habits break down to it's a choice, which I truly believe it does, do you think that, that um, extreme stress, is is say a hindrance in trying to hmm. make that choice. You mean you what I'm am, I making, am I making your problem worse? I'm living under an problem? incredible amount of stress where I live. Okay. Yeah. And and I know that when I got away from see, this is family, I quit drinking. <laughs> this is your inner crybaby saying that, oh, I have all this stress, I smoke, I smoke to get rid of my stress, and this is making it worse. Okay, I hear you. I I hear you. But how shall we end this? Well, you know what? I want to thank you for calling in, Sue, and I think you have a lot of courage. I know you were really scared to call in, and you're you're a great blogger now, and you were timid there, so how about... You know, we can hang up. You can go back to the – and we have another caller, actually, so we'll take another call. Is that okay. sound good? And you can try I on – I don't think I was a very good patient here. <laughs> you know, you were great. It was right. a perfect example, right, Jack, for what you were talking about? Okay. All right. Okay, I'll hang up. 
Okay, Sue. Bye-bye. We'll see you in the chat room. Okay, we have another caller. Oh, you know what, Jack? I want to ask you a question that somebody asked here because of what I said, and I'm still learning what RR is in AVERT. And he said, Monica, one of the common objections to AVERT from 12-steppers is that AVERT is about willpower. I don't believe that it is, but can you ask Jack to clarify that? It's about free will. Will power has will has no power. It's just a decision that you make. But there is such a thing as free will, where mm-hmm. we operate independently from bodily desires, and that is the uh, the factor that makes us different from animals. Animals are on biological voltage, and their bodily commands determine what they do. Mm-hmm. Human beings can have choices. We can entertain two concepts, two decisions at the same time, weigh the choices and decide between the two. This this kind of uh, choice does not exist outside of the human uh, consciousness. Right. So it's free will. We have free will to operate independently from bodily desires, whether the desire is to smoke or to screw around or to gamble or to get drunk all the time, we're free to not do those things as well as do them. Right. Okay, let's bring on, good answer, thank you. Um, let's bring on the next caller. Hi, caller, you're on the line. Can I have your name, please? Hi, it's Gunther, how are you? Hey, Gunther, how you doing? Good, how you doing, Jack? I'm fine, Gunther. Okay. I have, have the a- same issue with smoking. Um and to answer your first question, what do I feel when I think about quitting smoking? I feel two different things. I feel uh, that I, I really want to do it. There's there's a part of me that really wants to do it and really wants to what, do it now. But I think ambivalence is the word. Okay, what do we call that part of you that wants to do it? Uh, you call it the beast. That's correct. You get a gold star. That is the beast. That is your body saying, I want to drink or I want to smoke. I want to, I want to do it. And uh, so this is, is what we you... call the, the internal dialogue that makes us want to continue to use. We call that the beast. Yeah, the beast is addictive desire. It is the bodily desire for the pleasure of the indulgences, physical indulgences like smoking and drinking and screwing and gambling and all these other uh, very deep pleasures that come and can become addictions. Now, the other part is that I am not my body. You're not your body, are you? Well, I guess I am. Um, you are? Well, where do you go when you could... you're sleeping? You're, where do you go when, when you go to sleep? Um... Your body isn't dead. Where the heck are you? Well, I guess you could you could look at it in in the way that there are two separate things going on here. Okay, I get that's, it. That's so, what we, that is what we do. That is what we do here. This is the I it quit. That is the opening gate for ABRP based recovery. Because if you think that you're just a, a body, an animal, then I really this this uh, conversation cannot go too far. If you believe that you're an animal an intelligent, well-spoken, English-speaking animal, and that's all that you are, then your body is going to be running the show in more ways than you can probably appreciate. 
if you separate from your body and say, look, I have a body. It is my body. I run my body. My body doesn't run me. Uh, I have a brain, but that's not what I am. That's uh, I reside in a brain, you might say, or I ride, I go through my life ascribes this large wild animal, the Homo sapiens. Then, then you have this uh, this two dual nature. We have an original animal nature, and then a second nature, which is human nature. And in addiction, the animal nature takes over. And uh, recovery is where we re- retake the locus of power and control back from the body. When we're little children, our parents teach us how to take control away from the body. And uh, we're, we're potty trained so that you, there's one room in the house only where you go to the bathroom and not the kitchen. And uh, there are certain rules that are... To say, well, you, you, that's what barns are for. You do that in the barn, but you don't do that in the house. And you don't right. talk that way either. So there's a, uh, a process where we are made human in our families. But then addiction is mind-blowing. If those are identities, our minds, and our moral identity, our moral conscience away. The addicts have a missing moral conscience. And ABRT is simply a working model of a human moral conscience so that you can begin to recognize this immoral proposition that says drink, 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 or smoke, smoke, smoke. It's good for you as an immoral proposition if you choose to think of it that way. Mm. Now, unfortunately, in our culture, this kind of Mm self-indulgence of drinking and smoking and doing everything else has been made out to be innocent, as mm-hmm. if we're all back in the jungle, we're all animals in the jungle, and animal things, no matter what you do, is always innocent. Animals are always innocent. And they are. They are innocent. Animal behavior becomes wrong only in civilization, starting in the human family. There, the animal behavior is wrong. So ADRT is just a way of rebooting our original family identity, getting back to our native beliefs and values, our original family values, including the right and wrong part of it. And those are the only values that seem to have a lot of uh, bearing on whether or not we uh, continue with our addictions or move beyond them. Jack, what if you were raised with really bad family values or they were not uh, good ones, you know, as a child you didn't have... Usually, almost always, the values were there, but nobody lived up to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like if, if people are treated uh, with cruelty as children, yeah, uh, one way of learning what kindness is is what I didn't get. That I recognized the, the enormous importance of kindness because I was treated so badly. Mm-hmm. However, in our culture. People are taught that if I was treated cruelly, that's a reason now I can give for repeating the same behavior as an adult. Mm -hmm. I'm a victim of my rotten childhood Mm -hmm. and probably some bad genes and other things uh, involved that explain away my personal responsibility for my my bad conduct. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to ask you a question. How much are you smoking now? About a pack and a half a day. 
Oh, wow. I have a What would you think about quitting your addiction? Well, I've been thinking about quitting my addiction. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to do it right now. Well, it'll never, you'll never be ready, I guarantee. But I also guarantee it'll never be easier than it is right now. I, I personally guarantee that. It will never be easier than it is right now. And I can prove that later on. So you could do it now. Or you could do it tomorrow. Well, my God went up when I heard you talking. Um, when I heard the connection between morality and, yeah. uh, and addiction, my guard went right up because of my experiences with AA. So yeah. my concern when I hear stuff like that is, if it if it is a moral issue, then why would I not do the AA's moral inventory? I mean, well, because uh, the moral inventory of AA is fearless because they exclude the addiction. That's why. It's fearless because they take out what you're facing right now is the addiction. And they spend the rest of their lives running around in tiny circles doing moral inventories on things that they they really know nothing about. In other words, the, the inventory needs to be taken by other people. Addicts don't know what it is that harms other people. But in AA, they take their own moral inventory and say, oh, here, folks, here, family, here are things that I think that I have done wrong, and I want to make amends. I won't apologize, because that would mean that, that it was wrong. I was wrong in drinking, but I will try to make amends for my uh, awkward, uh, destructive behavior. So old-fashioned, you know, you're, the way that it is in the family is a whole lot different from the morality that is postured in the uh, fellowship of addicted people. You're... The family to the AA is an anti-family, arrogant family. It's composed of addicted people who are also estranged from their families by addiction. That's what they all have in common is that they are anti-family. And they blame their families for bad genes and dysfunctional parenting, rotten childhoods, abuse, neglect, no values, all kinds of things they heap on the family while they go out and have yummy relapses with a doctor's excuse attached to it. So in a in rational recovery, which is simply focused like a laser beam, we turn off this floodlight uh, and get out the laser beam and put it directly on the addiction. And I'm asking you, how would you like to quit your addiction now? which is the only possible time that you can do anything. You can't do anything tomorrow because it's not here yet, and when it gets to be tomorrow, it's going to be now then. So Okay, so I guess you don't, you don't believe in the stages of change model. Hell no. That takes six months, a year, of you know, roasting your lungs out while you contemplate and do all that other Patricia stuff or whatever his name is. That... You don't have to go through all those stages. You do it. You say, this is stupid. This is wrong. It's disgusting. It, it is a uh, denial of uh, myself to my family, if you have a family. And um, I'm shortening my days. I have a responsibility to survive brothers, people's well-being. And uh, therefore, I will never smoke again. 
Now, there's, there's some good news in this that a lot of people don't know about, which is that the body only craves things that are entirely possible to get. You have to have a possibility of getting something before you begin to crave it. So when you remove the option, you take it away and you say, this is it. This is my, you flick your last uh, uh, stiggy into the wet weeds and say, that's the last one of my whole life. Then suddenly your body, what we call Smokey the Beast, collapses in a heap of grief. Like, oh, my God, that was it. And it doesn't ever truly recover once it knows that you really mean business. People have been quitting smoking by the millions since they invented smoking. And this is how they do it. They don't go to smoking cessation classes. They don't get into nicotine anonymous groups. They go to shrinks and rehabs and all kinds of stuff. They crumple up the pack, maybe have their last ciggy, and then they say, I'm going to suck it up now. And if I get, now see, the, the good news is that you won't know this until you get there. You're not going to have any nicotine fit. There isn't such a thing as a nicotine fit. <clears throat> you know, a lot of people say, oh, but uh, there are all these terrible things in the DSM about nicotine uh, addiction and all that. But it doesn't amount to nothing, really. It's just simply that you're, you'll do some pocket diving for a while. You can kind of check, oh, look at my hand goes to my pocket looking for a city. <laughs> How about that? And you'll feel this, uh, the idea will come to mind. Oh, there's, there's the old, uh, my body has a habit. And it goes away very promptly. Now, if, you're, if you leave the, the option in there and you say, I'm going to keep a pack of cigarettes here in case I really get desperate, then you've got to crave until you smoke that last cigarette, the next cigarette. Any relapse that can happen will happen. How about this? Um, do you feel, Gunther, that you are in control and you're choosing to drink? I mean, choosing to, I'm sorry, to smoke? That you make a choice every time you do it? Or do you feel like, you know? Yes, I'm absolutely making the choice um, mm-hmm. and telling myself that I'm just putting off quitting. Yeah. So it's a procrastination thing. It's a, a very, it seems like a painful uh Decision that is painful only to the worst enemy in your life, which is Smokey the Beast. Smokey the Beast is horrified. Smokey the thinks, Beast thinks that you're going to suffocate and die if you don't smoke smoke. If you don't breathe smoke, you're going to suffocate. And that's what a that's the essence of what a nicotine fit is. It's not creating nicotine. It's the idea that you need this smoke in your lungs to survive. It's a perverted survival drive, just like all other addictions. No, okay, so how how do I go about quitting? Try on the I words. I want to quit. Right Try on the words. I will never smoke again. Say them and thank them. I will never smoke again. What do you hear in the background? What do you hear your head saying in the background? I hear you can't do this. Smoking is all you have left. Yeah, that is your worst enemy talking at you. It is powerless. It's just a bunch of empty words. 
You can't say that. You're a liar. You know mm. you're going to smoke again. You'll never make it. This is worse than heroin. Overlooking that heroin is pretty easy to kick, but it'll come up with all kinds of folklore surrounding uh, cigarette addiction to support the idea, to tear down your confidence that you can just walk away from this stuff. It, you know, it so, didn't just yeah, happen please. with words either. When I said yeah. that, it didn't just happen with words. My body actually felt a craving just by saying it. Good. Now you are twisting the stiletto between the ribs of your worst enemy. This thing is killing you. It's killing you, and you're worried about its comforts now. For God's sakes. When you talk about protecting the enemy, comforting your enemy, what's going on? Mm. Now, see, you could just, I mean, how do you feel now that you've got this thing on the ropes as you do right now? This may be the first time you've ever really been close to that big Nauta punch. This is it. It's, it is dying on the ropes. You are, you've got it on the defense. It is scared of you. Are you going to back off? You say, oh, well, I wouldn't want you to feel uncomfortable. Here's we got to have a little cigarette now and make this thing go away. Oh. Are you going to do that, or are you going to uh, press the matter and kill it before it kills you? Well, how long will I feel uncomfortable like this? Well, you should plan to feel that bad and worse for the rest of your life because that's what your beast is telling you. And how how bad can you feel and still not lift a match to the smoke? The city. How bad can you feel and still not do it? And when you make that decision, that will break the spirit of smoking the beast. When it finally dawns on you, look, these are just feelings. What kind of a silly carnival is going on in my head here? These are feelings, <clears throat> and I can suffer. I am built to suffer. I'm going to suffer. I mean, dying from emphysema is not a picnic. I am going to suffer if I keep on this route. So let's have some harmless suffering while I still can have that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can feel any amount of displeasure, discomfort surrounding not smoking. I can go ten times. I can go... In hell number two, which is one floor below hell. I can go to hell seven, if that's where Smoke of the Beast wants to put me. I can go to hell nine and suffer and still not smoke because I'm a big, strong man. I'm a kick-ass guy that gets the job done. I'm the man. This calls out some things in you that you don't hear about in this uh, pity parties of recoveryism. This is recovery with an attitude. Yeah, it's, it's, it really, uh, it, it it doesn't last forever. I mean, I quit smoking. I quit smoking well, twice. No, you Monica, you can't do that with him. Because why can't it last forever? And if it does last forever, are you going to smoke? We don't. See, we lean into the beach. You want to run away from it. You're trying to help him to feel good. I'm trying to make him to get to get unworried about his damn feelings 
You're saying they're there. It's going to be okay. Right. So this is the way we work. This this is why rational recovery, ABRT, works. Mm-hmm. It's aggressive. This is an addiction killer. It is not a passive, whining, crybaby approach where you blame every everybody else in the universe but yourself and your own stupidity. What do you think, Gunther? Well, I, I really appreciate uh, the time. I see we're almost out of time here, and I'm going to try to... No, don't try. Yeah, There's okay. No There's no trying. I'm, all right, I'm all done. Thank you, Gunther. Done what? Are you done talking or uh, with your addiction? <laughs> He's done with talking to us. I'm done. I'm done smoking. All right, listen, uh, keep in touch. Uh, we we want to hear the, your uplifted feelings knowing it's over. Because you know it is over. I hope you know that. All right, thank you very much for your time. Hey, okay, Jay, Thank you so much. All right, I want to, I wanna, we have like uh, three minutes, two, min- two minutes left. Let's see how we can finish it up. I want to thank Sue, who courageously called in. And I see um, Kevin's on the line, but uh, I asked if he wanted to say anything, and he didn't respond. So um, we had Sue, we had Gunther, um, Jack Trimpey from Rational Recovery, The Art of Avert uh, is his newest book. ABRT. Yeah, Art of ABRT, sorry, Addictive Voice Recognition Technique. I learn so much each time. Um, And the website is www.rational.org or rationalrecovery.org. Uh, either one of them works. Rational.org is the quickest. So uh, we're going to have, yeah, is there anything else you'd like to say? We have two minutes. Uh, I think that uh, this uh, Gunther uh, thing, regardless of what he does, is a good illustration of the uh, the, the fundamental difference, you know, the, the whole mindset, the whole uh, approach is remarkably different. And uh, it is the other side of the street. There are are two halves. We have a dual nature. And this is the human nature that defies the physical constraints of our existence. We just Mm -hmm. defy us. We say, no, I will do it my way. And uh, then the other animal side is the the part that says, I'm powerless over my bodily desires. I reserve the option to have yummy relapses forever. Oh yeah, we see now with sex with our politicians. They're like gonna they act out and they're like, Oh, I'm a sex addict now and they're gonna go into rehab and I was like, Oh no, we can't be going down this road. Oh, this is bad. You yeah. know what I mean? It, this is it, yeah. Right. I wanna, next week. Yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. Okay, nice being with you folks. I've enjoyed uh, meeting the folks here and uh uh ABRT stings a little bit but it's uh a very a thing that should be kept separate from uh, the people involved. Uh, yeah, I, I've enjoyed getting acquainted with everybody that I've spoken to here. Thank you so much. Um, I'll talk to you at another time about the work you're doing so I can get involved as well. And we'll have you on again. Thanks so much, Jack. Bye-bye. All right, bye. We'll see you again. Okay, bye-bye. Um, all right, everybody. I want to thank everyone for calling in. Thanks to Jack. And to Gunther and Sue again, I'm Monica Richardson, and I'm your host. And next week we'll have another uh, episode of <laughs> episode of Safe Recovery. We'll see who our next guest is. 
And I just want to say thanks to everybody, and we'll see you again. Good night.